Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. I'm Michelle Donkin. Andrew is off out recording our next episode. That is how busy we are getting now. Um, So it's just me in the studio today. We're really excited about this episode in which we talk to Lewis Dunn and Charles Dean about their show, Any Suggestions, Doctor, where we got to basically just geek out and chat about not only Any Suggestions, Doctor, but Doctor Who itself. And um, there's, there's some spoilers in there from the episode that aired on the 20th of May. But frankly, if you haven't watched it yet, can you complain about the spoilers? Hmm. Anyway... There are some. And that's about it. I think I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of our pre-recorded selves. Enjoy! Hello, this is the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast, episode 15. Um, there's been a bit of running joke here in the last few episodes. We've had almost every single episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast where somehow we've managed to shoehorn a reference into uh, uh, the hour about Doctor Who. Uh, this might happen with this particular episode since uh, the uh, people I'm chatting to uh, have an entirely improvised episode of Doctor Who. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I, I, I seem to do that a lot. I, I seem to be so so used to segueing that I expect other people to read my mind. <laughs> okay, this is what we're going. So, yeah. hello. Um, so, your name is. So, hello. Yes, I'm uh, Lewis Dunn. I am the producer of Any Suggestions, Doctor, an improvised adventure in space and time. And and I am Charles Dean, director of the show of the same name and premise. So, you're you're the director of the show, yes. um, Charles. Um, how this is going to be a question that I ask you, and it might be a different answer from you than it is for your company, mm. because you appear on stage at the same time. Yes. How is it to direct an improvised show that you yourself are performing in? Well, directing an improvised show—it's uh, it's different from directing a regular, you know, theatre performance. Yeah. Obviously, you know, it's less about blocking and sort of, you know, make sure people are good at acting and so on yeah. and it's more about you do try to be good at acting yeah it's it's more about <laughs> but it's not a prerequisite <laughs> yeah, well, yeah it's it's more about um in in sort of the rehearsal space than anything yeah. um determining what skills we need to work on what sort of exercises we want to do sure. and you know to a certain extent uh figuring out okay how exactly do we want to format the show yes um although that's more of a sort of group effort and anyway um so once the show actually gets started um Obviously, it's not like I'm sitting in the audience taking notes and saying, <laughs> OK, well, this is what we need to do next time. Oh, maybe we should stage it like this. Because it doesn't ultimately matter, even no. even if even if in a show someone's perhaps got their back to the audience. That's a matter of going, don't turn your back to the audience, yeah. rather than <laughs> well, anything else. That, that, um, and I, I guess I should be somewhat mindful, because uh, my background is improvisation as well. Um, so it's easy for it might be easy for you and I to have this conversation. But mm. some of us, some people who are listening, might get confused by the concept of rehearsing improvisation because yeah. mm. I'm sure after a couple of shows you, you'll get especially with a line with a, a show like an improvised Doctor Who episode there are going to be certain references you can make certain um, callbacks you can make about time travel you're going to get the accusation occasionally that that, that bit was planned that mm. bit was prepared um, so let's sort of unpick what this means for you in terms of rehearsing an improvised show how, do, how does one improvise how does one improvise a rehearsal? <laughs> That's next episode. Yeah. Uh, but how does one rehearse an improvisation? Well, there we it obviously depends. Our every rehearsal is different, like every show, because it depends on what we want to focus on. Um, whenever we first came up with the structure of this show, 
most of us came from a background of doing short form improvised comedy. Yeah. Um, so it was more trying to figure out, okay, well, what skills do we need to pull out of doing short form improv? Sure. And what skills do we have that maybe uh, would actually be detrimental to a longer form show? Yes. You know, the vast majority of scenes uh, that we would do uh, in our short form are obviously going to be less than five minutes long. Yeah. You know, if one gets to 10, 15, that's kind of stretching it a little yeah. bit. Whereas here we're trying to do a you know, 40, 45 minute uh, episode. Uh, and so it's about pulling out, okay, how do we take one scene, which maybe ends on a joke, and saying, yes. well, actually, let's draw that scene out. Let's pull plot out of that. Um, so it's a, in the, at the beginning, it was very much about doing skills. Uh, rehearsals were about doing learning skills and practicing skills about drawing a bigger plot out sure. from an episode. We, one thing that we definitely noticed when we started doing it is because we came from short form the yeah. thing about short form is it's all about getting to the next joke as quickly as possible yeah. and that was an instinct we had to learn to crush pretty quickly because a joke might be funny but it can completely destroy the suspension of disbelief in the scene indeed and there are going to be people who are um, going to be screaming at the podcast um, uh, that even they might argue with that that short form is all about the gag and whatever and so, so certainly the way we used to do it yeah. it was very it was very get to the next joke for us I see so this has been quite a, a nice discipline for you as well in terms mm. of it being about plot and narrative uh, rather than being gaggy um, so have you decided did you use a format to help you get here like was it a herald was it a deconstruction or we, was it, it we, well I, I figured that because of how uh, we, we looked at how uh, certain episodes of Doctor Who tend to be structured yeah. um, and that's generally speaking you've sort of got your A plot following the Doctor yes. and you've got your B plot following uh, you know, some other characters, yes. maybe then the companion splits off and you're following sure. your A and B and they come back together at the end. Um, so I just, I thought it would be useful to practice doing some more Harolds. Yes. Because uh, that's, the, that's the same sort of thing with a Harold. You've yeah. got multiple plot lines that all converge at the end. Um, so we started off learning uh, how to do those and then we sort of went, well, okay, how does that compare to uh, what we want to do in our particular episodes? Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously, from time to time, we still rehearse doing a Harold just to sort of refresh our memory, because yeah. I think it's something that's fun to do. Absolutely, um, and it keeps things interesting. Well, something that was really good for us this year was we added a new member of the troupe. Yes. So as a result, there was sort of a, a slightly back to the drawing board, make sure they're up to speed on knowing what we're doing, and that was good for the whole troupe because obviously that meant we all we all had to relearn those disciplines and those skills. Uh, I mean, this well, it's good not to get too complacent, isn't it? In each yeah, skin. absolutely. Like it was, it was very good because when so one of the things that we obviously have to do is we have to rehearse the episodes, but that actually doesn't come until quite late in the process. We spend most of the time relearning the skills and redoing the heralds, and uh, like we do. I mean, the, the thing that we end up doing sometimes is we sit down with a chalkboard and break down every seed and go, where could this have gone? Where could this have sure. gone? Yeah. Like to make sure that we sort of have that uh, that understanding that you know obviously the idea that anything can go anywhere but at the same time of being disciplined about try and make the choices that keep the plot going rather than lead to a dead end that we're sort of a bit trapped in yeah and I guess that the episodes that you present and the people the episodes because you're going to Edinburgh as well mm -hmm. we'll talk about that later um, but the episodes that people will watch when they see an improvised Doctor Who is largely the new series format the 50 minute format mm -hmm. which then gives you the sort of um, the nice sort of thing that you, you get to use the pre-credits sting scene yes. yeah. where you can actually throw a lot into the plot in the three minutes and then actually I guess don't really have to worry about anything that you present in those three minutes <laughs> for quite a long while. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say we've obviously, you know, doing Edinburgh last year um, and doing other shows, we've done we've done the show, the format so many times um, that you know we've sort of got that nailed down. Yeah, like re rehearsing actually doing an episode is 
largely irrelevant. We'll maybe do that once every couple of rehearsals. Yeah. Um, and and I think it's also fair to say that sometimes, you know, in, in a rehearsal you do do an episode and maybe it doesn't seem to quite click. Sure. Um, and I think that, but I think that's part of doing rehearsal as well yeah. for improv. It's getting comfortable with each other, getting used to what we're doing. You know, I've done, uh, I've done sort of more thrown together uh, short form shows yeah. with people. Um, and you know, I'm I'm sure there are plenty of uh, improv comedians who would quite happily step into a group with six other people, yeah. go for an hour, do one narrative, yeah. uh, and you know, it it would be absolutely outstanding. Yeah. But I think part of what's nice about what we're doing is that there is the six of us. Yes, uh, we have all worked together before. We worked together before we were uh, doing any suggestions, doctor, um, and because we're all so comfortable with each other, we. You know, you almost get that sense of I I know where Lewis is going to go yeah, in a yeah. scene, or at the very least, I know where Lewis is unlikely to go. Sure, I have a predisposition to playing villains. Yes, I see. <laughs> I see. Well, um, what something before we get too much away from the formatting of how one formats mm. an improv show mm. in a performance, how much of an improviser is whoever's on your LX board? Um, our our techies obviously have to be uh, pretty good. Yeah, because uh, they have to read the scene. Yeah, they yeah. have to be able to read the scene. They have to know when to bring in. You know, when we do our cold open, they have to sure. know. Ah, that's a good point to bring in yeah. the opening theme. They need to know when to bring in other appropriate songs. Yeah, uh, and you know, effect. You know, even just doing simple lighting cues sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, um, that, that part of the show is is going to be changing quite drastically soon. Actually, yeah. as I'm sure when we get on talking about Edinburgh and the Kickstarter, there's a uh, we're very much looking to evolve that because last year we we had, a, we had an excellent techie who came with us to Edinburgh who's yeah. really really good at all that. She'll, uh, she'll be coming back with us again in an assistant producer role actually. But um, as well as helping tech the show, we're going to expand that that idea of the improvisation because we're going to be adding live music to the show. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Um, so currently uh, we're sort of using the pre-recorded bits and we're, we're sure. using PRS license and stuff to to get the stuff from the show. Yes. But we're running that live radiophonic workshop, and that's that's still ah. in rehearsal stage. We're hoping to get it ready for Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> Should be ready for Edinburgh because it's all over the advertising. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's really exciting for us because that feels like that feels like we're properly evolving the show. That yeah. And the radiophonic workshop—that's an interesting callback because that's arguably got more in common with the classic series than it has mm. with the new series. Mm. Um, I guess the show is. In terms of getting the audience through the door, you're likely to be selling more to the the uh, the more modern fans, the post 2005 mm. fans. Uh, although you did have one Barber reference uh, at yeah. today's <laughs> show, which I appreciated greatly. Um, so, is that something that you're mindful, or do you decide that actually you can't be the responsibility isn't yours to to, to um, accommodate classic fans as well as modern fans. We've accommodated classic fans when we think they're in the room. Oh, we that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we you know we got we got various sonic screwdrivers we hand out, and one of them is the third Doctor sonic yeah. screwdriver. And uh, Do, yeah. doesn't the third Doctor screw, um, sonic look at a little bit sexual? Yes, it, it doesn't like oh, an ear inspector. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, but also like it. I mean, different as you saw today, we had uh, James play the Doctor. I yes. think James has got a bit of an old sensibility to his Doctor. He's got yes. a bit more sort of a, a sort of calm firmness. Uh, we've all got different predispositions as to how we play the character, and we've all got uh, different influences and things that we enjoy doing. Well, what's interesting is that you, um, I'm guessing from what I saw today, you play your Doctor. You don't impersonate any Absolutely, doctors. absolutely. That was decided... Actually, well, it was kind of, uh, we originally wanted to do impressions, didn't we? we? We toyed with doing impressions of specific doctors yes. originally, uh, but we realised that in a lot of respects that 
was restricting what we could do. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, obviously, a, a lot of the joy of improv is that you've got freedom to do this, to do that. Sure. And obviously, yes, we do have certain uh, dispositions that we may fall into if we're playing the Doctor, but, yeah. you know... I've played the Doctor slightly differently every yeah. time, if not more than slightly mm. differently. The first time I did it, I did it in a Yorkshire accent, and yes. I'm, I'm not sure why. It just, that, that, that was, works. Yeah. That, that was brilliant, because the audience almost certainly cheered for you because of your Irish accent. Yeah. And then you were like, and now I will do Yorkshire, yeah. I will mess with you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we decided quite early on that trying to do too much um, impression and imitation could, one... You know, possibly go a bit wrong. Yeah. Uh, and well, we no, nobody's ever successfully impersonated Patrick Troughton. Mm. Mm. That, that's that's never going to happen. Yeah. No. Um, and the other thing that we were concerned about was it may be alienating to certain audience members. Yes. Uh, you know, we want the show. Obviously, the show is primarily targeted at people who love Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but ideally, we we want people who haven't seen Doctor Who to come along sure. and also have a good time. And you know. It's all well and good if we go in making a terrific reference to the Ice Warriors. Yes. But if someone sits in the audience and has no idea what's going on, yeah. uh, then that's kind of losing that part of the room. Absolutely. There's a, a, another very successful improv troupe who do Edinburgh each year that uh, are inspired by a world-famous author. And I don't think that they um, rely on the audience knowing every J- single Jane Austen exactly. reference exactly. In, mm. in the room. And I like the record to show that I let at least a minute go past before making any reference to your alienating <laughs> comments. Um, let's talk about Edinburgh because you're on your way to Edinburgh. Uh, yeah. You're in the, actually you're in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign. Well, yes. Uh, we we uh, this is the thing. This so last year we did the show for the first time, and very much the story of that was we decided we wanted to go to Edinburgh with an improv show. Yeah. That became a Doctor Who improv show because we thought that would be something that we would like to do, and also something we think would have an audience and would appeal to people. Yeah. Um, and it was very much an experiment last year. We were sort of trying to find out what we were doing, how it was going to work. We ended up very fortunately in a proper professional paid venue that have been incredibly kind to us. Yeah. Uh, Sweet Venues are, are doing wonderful, wonderful work with us. And we're so Which is where we're recording. We are out. recording at Sweet um, Venues. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case um, um, this is the first podcast that any of our listeners are hearing, that gives me a, a lovely opportunity to mention our background noise. Uh, the, the sound of, a, of cheerfulness and happiness you hear here in the background. <laughs> it, uh, oh, lots of people sort of milling around um, Sweet Venues. Because... Um, Although we've sort of referenced this, mm. you've just come out of the show. We, we just yes, saw uh, yeah. today's show as part of the Brighton Fringe, and um, it's been going well for you so far. Yeah, we had our first show yesterday, yeah. um, which was a Thursday. A little bit quiet, unfortunately, but uh, that's just how it goes. Um, but we, we're looking good. Uh, tonight's show, I thought, was I was really pleased with tonight's yeah. show. We've got two more shows coming up Saturday, Sunday. A lovely mix of people in the audience as well. Yeah, was quite yeah. lovely. I think that if I'd been part of your troupe, it would have delighted me. Was um, parents bringing their kids in mm. to watch mm. the show? And that seemed to be a really lovely touchstone for the show as well. So, you, Lewis, you were saying before mm. that uh, the show can sometimes be changed by you guys if you pick up on classic fans being in the audience. Yeah. Do you sometimes change the show depending on whether or not there's a, a particularly impressive uh, amount of kids in the audience? Absolutely. We, Absolutely. We typically get um, a fairly sizable proportion of our audience are kids. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I, like, I don't think we've had a single audience where there's been no kids whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, we get obviously a fair few groups where maybe it's like a group of students sure. or uh, I think we have had a, a, the old group of like older Who fans yeah. who have come in we, we had one guy who came in dressed up as the 10th Doctor like thread perfect costume yes. and we were like oh good we know he'll enjoy it yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I saw I bumped into I passed somebody a couple of weeks back who was wearing 
the Sixth Doctor's costume, mm. um, who was about as um, he, he was about a thirty-inch waist. He was a slim boy <laughs> wearing the uh, the multicolored dream coat. Wow! And I have to say that seeing it in real life, I was struck by how this is heresy for, in some quarters. It's a good costume. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise this having only seen it on the screen, but to see it in real life, it's it, it really works. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all of which uh, is distracting us from uh, what we were talking about a moment ago, which is that you are going up to Edinburgh and you have got a Kickstarter campaign going on. Yes. So as I was saying, uh, last year was a bit of an experiment. We were sort of taking things up, trying to see if the format worked, and it was a great success. We had a really great time. Excellent. So this year we had a sort of meeting, sat down and went, OK, what do we want to do with the show this year? You know, how much are we willing to invest each? Uh, we drew up a budget of what we thought we could afford and what, how we're going to change it. And then yeah. we went, OK, if we could get extra money, what would we do with it? And we sort of theorised stuff, so we came up with stuff like much more sort of uh, much more props and costume, a bit more professional-looking props and costume. Uh, one thing we want to do is we want to make sure that every one of the performers has their own Doctor costumes. Oh, as it fantastic! Were. So they will have their sort of unique personalities reflected. Yeah. And uh, of course, we wanted to add the live radiophonic workshop. Yeah. Uh, which was a, a really it was something I really wanted to do because the thing I really didn't want to happen was I didn't want to just take up the same show again. Sure. I wanted it to feel evolved and different and, and and an element of progress to it. So we're heading back with much more uh, investment into the show and. Hopefully that'll be reflected in uh, audience numbers as well, uh, and it, it's just—it's really exciting for us to keep this going and and keep experimenting with it, really. And one of the exciting things that you've got on the 25th of August, exactly uh, six months away from uh, the traditional Christmas Day episode of Doctor Who, yes, up in Edinburgh, you're going to be doing a Christmas Day episode of Doctor Who. Yes, this sort of started as a as a joke between the troupe, and then as the day <laughs> approached, we went, yeah, all right, we will. I, I remember we. It was shortly after we'd settled on, yeah, let's do a Doctor Who episode. And we were talking, or let's do a Doctor Who show. Yeah. Um, and I remember we sort of were sitting there and we were thinking, well, you know, what would it involve? Oh, we could, you know, we could have Daleks. Oh, we could have Cybermen. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do a Christmas episode. Ha, ha, ha. And, <laughs> and I think it was one of those weird things where someone went, you know, well, we, we could. <laughs> it's like, well, when would we? The, the 25th of August. Obviously. <laughs> and it's sort of just... T- time is relative. Um, yeah. And I think one of, one of the... the s- the things that really got to us as well was because we didn't announce this in advance no. you know we, it wasn't like we, we were uh, no, saying think... to people in advance it's going to be the Christmas episode but as we looked at our pre-sales approaching the fringe yeah. the the day that was the busiest <laughs> yeah amazingly somehow was consistently the 25th of August Excellent. and the best thing about it was is looking at it it was all concessions and we went oh there's going to be loads of kids in so <laughs> yeah. if we make it Christmas it's going to feel really fun and special I just the, the absolute joy at the start of the show when we all run out we're all like hello welcome to Teddy's Jesh's Doctor but wait what day is it you boy what day is it and this child looks back and he goes totally confused and it's why just, it's not Christmas day yeah, they just went it's Thursday they went yes Christmas precisely um, oh, but to be fair that's um, that will have been the only human being in Edinburgh who genuinely knows what day of the week it is <laughs> yeah uh, no it's, it was really good fun and um uh, well, this year, actually, on our Kickstarter, we had a reward, which has been taken now, actually. Yes. Uh, which was that um, if someone bought that bought uh, this, it was quite an expensive reward, they would be able to come in. They're going to get bowls of figgy pudding. Yeah. And they're going to decide who our celebrity guest star is. So we can't wait to find out what the audience are going to suggest for that. They're also getting a present from Santa. Yes. So we really need to consult with Santa about whether or not he'll be available in August. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, how yeah, much? Where, where does one get a Santa outfit 
in August <laughs> in the middle of Edinburgh. We know the perfect guy to play Santa, but yeah. sadly a show clashes of ours. So we have to find <laughs> someone else. Um, what we've um, managed uh, to avoid the uh, cast iron fit podcast uh, thing so far, ironically, of actually chatting about Doctor Who, really. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, we're talking about your show. Um, so let's um, kick off with some contentious questions. Lewis, mm. um, who is the best Doctor? Oh, they're all so much fun, I couldn't possibly pick any of them except David Tennant. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but no, like, I mean, it's, it's not too difficult for that to be the case. Like, I grew up with the show yeah. when it rebooted, yes. so I was there with Chris Ferguson, I was there with David Tennant. And uh, I just, I mean, he had some of the best episodes. I mean, I, it's, it might have been Christopher Eccleston, but he only stuck around for one episode, one series, sorry. Yeah. And as a result, I've got like two or three favourite episodes of him. Yeah. Whereas David Tennant got a lot of really good ones, a lot of really bad ones. But he's still got the highest volume of actual episodes of the new series uh oh did he i thought he did th- oh no because he did the specials as well yeah didn't he? yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah. he did the three series same as matt smith that's but then right matt smith, yeah matt smith left uh matt smith i think was a tragic case because i thought he was actually quite good at the part he got some really awful scripts some really awful runner stories i thought yeah um just as soon i mean probably lots of i'm sure charles will agree with this the, the introduction of clara all of clara's storylines were confusing and annoying and I didn't mind the actor. I just thought the writing around the character was Is cool. that because you're too old to be the target audience now, Lewis? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what Moffat would tell you. Well, he might, but the, it's confusing. And, and also, I have the perfect counter to the target audience uh, <laughs> argument. Because, um, so, for what it's worth, my favourite uh, Doctor is Christopher Eccleston. Yep. Um, and I wish he'd got more, etc., etc., uh, but obviously, from time to time, whenever I would complain about uh, Stephen Moffat as yeah. um, a writer and as a showrunner, people would go, oh, it's because it's a kid show, it's a family show. Um, and I point to <laughs> the episode in uh, Peter Capaldi's first series. Yes. Where, and this is, this is not fun, this is not funny, this is just me having a rant. The episode, <laughs> the episode in the first series with Peter Capaldi where... Are you talking about the caretaker? Uh, no, the one, oh. the one where the, there was like the... the whole planet was turned into a forest yes and there was the little girl who uh, could uh, hear the trees talking to her and that's you know that's as a plot point that's fine yeah but there was a line that really bugged me which was Peter Capaldi saying uh, because they they were talking about oh she she can hear voices oh but we're giving her medication for this yes and there was a line Peter Capaldi said which said oh that's the problem with you humans you hear voices in your head and then you try to shut them up (laughs) and I'm like so in this kids show you're telling children not to take mental health medication You know that 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 actually angered me. That episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, there's been a bit of discussion about that sort of thing recently on social media uh, about um, Doctor Who becoming a political show. Mm. Uh, oh in, yeah, but that in the I'd... last show, in the couple of episodes back, when there were zombie astronauts, mm. that becoming a political show. Yeah. Although one would argue that since it kicked off with. Um, Nazi robots mm, yeah. um, and then went on to um, many other things um, <laughs> it's always been a political show yeah. I, and you're going ooh as if yeah no because I, I, there's definitely become a political show particularly around Capaldi because he's had one of my favourite two parts which is the Zygon invasion and the Zygon inversion yeah. I think has one of the best uh, one of the best sort of an, um, analogous there we go. Uh, Storylines for um, modern warfare when it does the whole thing with the box. Yes. And, and uh, I think I think and I love it when it's a political show. I love it when it's a political show and it's not necessarily massively obvious and it tries to deal with the moral problem head on. Yeah. Um, th- for example, in a, an example of an episode that was very um, contentious and probably doesn't work was when the moon was an egg. 
and the episode became about abortion. Yes. And they didn't yeah. really come up with a solution, but they did pick one of the things they did pick to, to let the egg live. And, and it was sort of watching this episode, just sort of going, you are treading on ground that's a bit out of the reach of what you're able to sort of get <laughs> into an episode but of Doctor Who. As, as the nine-year-olds watching a Dalek episode in 1963 wouldn't have immediately picked up on the fact that that was about Nazis, mm. um, how many nine-year-olds are going to pick up on the fact that Kill the Moon is arguably a, a pro-choice episode? Uh, well, well, is it pro-choice? Well, that's the point. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. why I was very careful to say the word. <laughs> oh, no. it, it, it's very much about giving people the choice. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, it is, but it's, it's. I don't mind it being political. I, I think, I think the show works really well when it's political, actually, and I like it when it has firm conclusions about what it believes. Because I think if you're, if you're more open about what your political beliefs are in a text then you can you can know about the bias and you don't have to worry too much about you know the idea that it's sort of sneakily trying to do stuff to yeah. um, whereas I think when you say the nine year old who doesn't pick up on that the thing is is that we now live we now live in a world that's so interconnected that they might look up a review for Doctor Who and read this was about abortion and then go <laughs> what's an abortion dad and then dad has to go well you know how they could have killed the baby dragon <laughs> and, and have that whole thing I will say I did like that episode up until that point. I thought it was a really good bit of sci-fi horror. Well, I quite, you know what, I quite like the the, the contentious episodes that seem to annoy everybody. I mm. will defend Robert of Sherwood. I, 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 like Robert I, of Sherwood. I quite enjoyed that. I but you said a that. thing. You, you, I adored Robert yeah. of yeah. Sherwood. I think not only does it do what it says on the team, it does the only thing it could do when you set up a, a robot. Um, Sheriff of Nottingham, and there's a spaceship. It, it has to be an arrow that defeats it. That, that, that's the gag. And it's 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 simple, but like part of the reason I enjoyed that episode was the first couple of episodes in that series I find a bit dreary, yeah. and then that one came along, and it was just fun and silly. Yeah, it was just a fun, silly romp. I think it also did one of the best Doctor Who tropes, which we frequently do, which is whereby you present something from the real world. And then explain how that is an alien. Yes. And uh, so, like, they, you know, Robin Hood's been done like that. They've done werewolves like that. Yeah. They've done vampires like that. And we, like that happens quite a lot in our show. Like yesterday, we did um, King Arthur. Yeah. And it, it was a, it was a, uh, well, it's a robot theme park. It's a <laughs> fairly, fairly common trope. Got very Westworld at one point actually, when yeah. we all sort of realised we're all robots. Does any of this matter? <laughs> um, but we liked. I really like the show when it, it plays with those tropes because I feel like. I feel like Doctor Who is usually at its best when it's trying to explain... Um, it has a mystery in it that has a certain sort of... Like with that with the Robert, Robot of Sherwood one, yeah. like Robin Hood doesn't exist and all this idea. I thought it was really fun. And I think it's really fun for kids to see that yeah. and, and to sort of have those tropes play out as a sci-fi way. Well, that's the interesting thing because there's lots of arguments currently um, as to, strictly speaking... Is Doctor Who a sci-fi show or is it a fantasy show? Because if it's a sci-fi show, it gets somewhat, it has to go by certain rules and regulations. Whereas it's a fantasy show, it does what I guess we think Doctor Who does, which is anything it wants. It's probably as much as, uh, probably more sci-fi than Star Wars. Because Star Wars literally has magic. Although Doctor Who kind of has literally magic with the TARDIS Do heart, doesn't Doctor it? Doctor Who has psychic paper. Yeah, but that's fine. Oh, that's okay. An, no, because that's an alien thing, isn't it? Everything, I think... I mean, the obvious answer is it is sci-fi fantasy. But um, one of the one of the things Doctor Who does, and certainly something we try and do in the show, is if something happens, there is a rule to how it works. Yeah. Even if there is 
my species is magic and we turn into other people when we die. Yeah. Like, there's always at least a bit of a rule to it. And if there's not a rule to it, it's sort of put up to sort of the sort of the unknowable part of the universe. Oh, well, isn't the world big and expansive? But I don't... I don't know, I don't know if I'd call it fantasy in the same way. Yeah. I, I, I think it's more sci-fi than fantasy. Yeah. Um, and mostly for that reason, that it does try and explain everything. And granted, sometimes the explanation isn't very satisfying. Sometimes the explanation is love... But <laughs> so many times in Matt Smith's era was the power of love the reason everything yeah, was fine. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that does have a time travel reference to it, as <laughs> is evidenced by some of your soundtrack. Yes, um, we do use the power of love as a cheeky in-joke. Um, <laughs> but I think I think it... The, point one is that it is probably more sci-fi than fantasy. Yeah. But point two is, does it matter? Yeah. You know, I think... Um, I, I used to... Back when I was a nerdy teenager, I used to get very worked up about the distinction between sci-fi and fantasy. Yeah. And someone would say, oh, I've read this, oh, it's fantasy. And I was like, no, it's not. And nowadays, <laughs> you know, it goes back to, again, if it's if it's a fun adventure that kids can get behind, and hey, does it have a moral behind it? Cool. Yeah. If it doesn't have a moral, and you're just really excited to watch people run around a house that's eating people, then, oh. you know, more power to you. Fantastic. But, but also, one of the, this sort of very helpfully links back to the, the process of the show. We sat down and went, right, what types of episode are there? Yeah. So there's a horror episode, there are sort of present-day action thriller episodes, there's sort of sci-fi episodes, and we sort of had to think of the different genres it could be. Yes. So today, um, we, we got the setting of Venus, and we got the title episode, um, The Cursed Hand of Memorax. Yeah. So that's where us obviously became, okay, this is a sci-fi episode. Um, it ended up being set in the past so that we can make the plot work. And, um, <laughs> oh, that's a, very, that's a very convenient explanation. It is. So yesterday's episode, I'd say, was like a mystery episode. Mm. We had a mystery. And today's episode was more sort of a, sort of a thriller action-y one, sort of things yes. were progressing. There wasn't really so much... There was sort of a, a reasonable twist at the end. And, and, and it did have the explaining how something works. It did have explaining how something works. But like we... We had one episode that I think was actually genuinely very close to being quite scary. Yeah. Um, which was, um, we did an episode featured around the silence. Oh, my word. Which is one of our favourite episodes as a trip. We love doing yeah. this. And the idea was it was set in uh, the Gorbals. The Gorbals. The Gorbals. In Glasgow. <laughs> um, Lovely couple. Um, <laughs> it was great fun because what happened there was one of us ran off stage and immediately Googled what the Gorbals was oh, so we could make the episode work. There's nothing more frustrating than a big group of Glaswegian people shouting, Gorbals! <laughs> while you sit there going, what? <laughs> yeah, that um, can, that can be. But I, that, yeah, that episode was like, that was proper horror because the, the, the idea was that the silence was effectively reversing his power onto people yes. so that you were if you weren't looking at someone you'd forget they existed oh wonderful um, and you felt like you thought you were entirely alone yeah so it was the idea of being alone in a crowd and yeah. you were you lit, that no one knew there's that a metaphor for and, you, well it? great fun yeah and that was one of our best episodes by far and almost predictably the day was saved thanks to the power of love <laughs> <laughs> it was as we got everyone including the audience to hug each other and to remember <laughs> oh, you know uh, all the lovely things they've done together yeah that yeah. was that was terrific. Actually. I do a lot of uh, um, youth theatre work, uh, workshops with kids, mm. and we invented a game a couple of years back, which uh, is now one of their favourites, which they find terrifying, which is the grandmother's footsteps version, except that it's not grandmother's footsteps. You have to creep through a crowd of the weeping angels. <laughs> and it works remarkably well for a kid's warm-up game, uh, but they do find it somewhat terrifying. <laughs> I think we've done the Weeping Angels in a rehearsal. I don't think we've done them in a live show. Yeah. yeah. So have you ever had a rehearsal episode where you've been a bit annoyed that an audience weren't in to watch that one? Oh, it, like, I wouldn't say every rehearsal, obviously, but there have been times where we've 
we've done a sh- we've done a rehearsal and we thought, man, that would have been great. It sounds daft. We did yeah. one a couple of weeks ago that was set on a on a planet oh, entirely this- made of poo. Yeah, yeah. And we the planet Tertius. And and <laughs> ev- like you know, it was just like if you took the plot out, you take the context of it being a poo planet, you t- just take out the plot. It's really simple, easy to follow. Yeah, makes sense. Had a bit of a twist. Had a bit of a twist. Yeah, you know. And then you throw in that everyone is made of poo. Yeah, and you're just you know, it's great because we know kids will shout silly stuff. Yes, yeah. Like yesterday's suggestion, our setting was um, it's a cave, but later they find out it's the mouth of a dragon. Uh, yeah. Um, which was great, although it did mean the plot was pretty much laid out for us. <laughs> as a suggestion. It was sort of just well, well, this will happen now. Yeah. Um, but the certainly one of the things that that we find fun is we do a lot of rehearsal whereby we sort of we each have to practice being the doctor. Yeah. And we all have to figure out how to solve the plot. That is the most satisfying thing to do in the show. If you're the Doctor and you come up with the best possible way to solve the plot, you just feel amazing. Yeah. Who's your newest member? Uh, that was Harry. Harry, okay. Yes. So that allows me to ask the question I wanted to ask. Uh, so, judging by last year's Edinburgh mm-hmm. and uh, Brighton, whatever, uh, one of your performers is a woman, mm-hmm. um, uh, which means there's a reasonable chance that one of your performers as a woman will be the Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Judging by audience feedback and audience uh, voting, mm. how likely is it that we'll see a woman doctor in our lifetime? Uh, well, I would say judging on that, we were uh, excited slash concerned that she that uh, Louise yeah. uh, would be an exceptionally popular choice. <laughs> um, we we were a bit worried that you know was this going to was the sort of the idea of having a lady doctor was that going to overrule? Were the white boys not going to get a chance? I mean, look, there's not been an Irish one yet. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm from Congleton. There's not been one from Congleton yet. Uh, I would be the tallest one. Is that all reasons? Big. No, uh, I'm from um, Croydon. You're from Croydon, yeah. 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 Um, but the, the, it, uh, in, in the end, you know, she was the second most popular Excellent. last yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, last year, the most popular was Matthew by a long way. Yeah, everyone loved him for two reasons. One, he's a very likable chap. And two, he had the good sense to wear a bow tie. Yeah. And uh, that really bow ties worked. Are bow ties are cool. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so she was the second most popular choice. Um, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, it's there's a good chance. I mean, look, they've done nothing but set it up. So <laughs> the master became Missy. We saw a literal scene in which a time lord got shot and became a female. Like they but, but, are... but, but hang on, hang on. They have literally done nothing but set it up. <laughs> I mean. I mean, this is the horrible thing about Doctor Who, is that they spend all their time going, ooh, ooh, do you think it's going to be this? Do you think it's going to be this? And then when you do it, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I saw that coming. Well, this is where I throw the gauntlet down. A current Doctor Who where we're promised lots, mm. yeah. and then we're not delivered. The last episode that aired, because you have indicated that there's, you have a difference of opinion about Extremis, yeah. the most recent episode to come out, which is um, essentially a... What is it? A running on the spot episode, or is it a deliciously setting out the plot work for the rest of the season episode? Oh no, it's um, it's a theoretical episode. Somebody sat down with the concept first and went, "I have this concept. I want to write an episode about this concept." And I really like those ones because I I did a I did a politics and philosophy degree. Yeah. So when I'm sat there and they're basically doing um, John Locke's evil demon, I'm sort of saying, "Oh, I know what this is. This is really clever and really impressive." And I thought really scary, yeah. really scary when Nardor puts his hand into the shadow and vanishes. I thought that was I, I was totally on board with it. And now Charles will hate. Me. Well, whereas yeah. I did. An English and history degree, so I like, <laughs> so, so I like things. This is yeah. this is not degree top. Well, yeah, I just like things to make sense by the time you've got to the it end of it. Make sense. Like I, I I I think this series has been so good so far. Like the the last series, I find 
quite disappointing. It had its moments. Yep. Um, and of course, the second to last episode where uh, the Doctor was... Yeah, heaven sent. Yeah, like re- repeatedly going through yes. the, the, the tower over and over again. That was terrific. Probably one of the best episodes I've ever but seen. But although it's, although it's literally active, that's at least as conceptual as uh, last week's episode was. It's not that it was conceptual. It was that there... One, I think I think if you had put that episode into the previous series, yeah. I probably would have gone, ooh, this is nice, this is fun. I think it's less that it was bad. It's more <laughs> that it was the worst so far. And by the end, one, nothing that happened matters, really. And two... I mean, this is a much more specific thing, but if I was setting up a simulation that I was going to run over and over and over again to try and, you know, take over a planet, why would I connect that to the internet so that it can email someone? Well, here's the thing. Uh, Yeah, Lewis, we're going to have to discuss this. A simulation of the Doctor successfully emailed himself from the simulation? Well, two things. It's about time travelling box. Um, <laughs> and secondly, we know that the simulation of the Doctor managed to contact the Doctor. So emailing is obviously the term they use because it's like, haha, a computer can always email, da da. But within the sci fi realms, yeah, it's a simulation of the Doctor. And He's I will, the Doctor. I will also concede <laughs> that while that episode didn't really light my world on fire, in a lot of ways, I am actually excited for uh, the next episode. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm really interested to have a new, properly sinister villain. Yeah. And we know that they, their plot is like their plot is literally take over the world. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that. I'm interested to see where that goes. They've also set up some stuff with like, oh, I can get my sight back for a short time, but it takes something from a future incarnation of myself. That didn't happen, but we know the Doctor can do that now. Yeah. And that will hold, hopefully, some significance in the in the future episodes. Mm. I mean, I think the other big... This, I will agree that it was disappointing what turned out to be in the vault, because it was a bit like, oh, we all well, sort of in, thought that. Well, the internet agrees with you that um, it's apparently been confirmed what's in the vault. I, I, this is where I, I lay my cards on the table and get proved wrong in a couple of weeks. <laughs> it's, it's not actually been confirmed that that Missy is in the vault. You did say to the vault, Missy, I'm blind and I can't tell anyone. Yeah, <laughs> but I, we haven't seen her. And we haven't he, seen her. It, it, we mean, haven't seen her, and it, it's it also worth mentioning that he ha- that we have seen the Doctor go into the vault yeah. to talk to the thing that's in the vault. And you'd think that if it hadn't been Missy at that point, he'd have come out and gone, "Oh, yeah. something's changed." I mean, we know. I mean, almost certainly, what will happen is he will open the vault, and there won't be Missy in it. Because that's what Doctor Who likes to do, is it likes to tell you there's something in a box, and then you open the box and you go, no, it isn't. I mean, it's also what Moffat likes to do. I, I, I'm still concerned, um, genuinely concerned, actually, because I think it will be a cheapening that Missy's master, Will, is in an earlier part of the timeline than John Sim's master. Because that's, because that's ah. technically possible from what we've seen on screen. I hadn't thought of that, actually. That's actually quite... I would quite... I mean, I don't know if I'd quite like it. I'd certainly admire the, the twist of that. I didn't see that. It would annoy me. I mean, I, <laughs> yes, it, 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 would be, it would be fun. It would be cute. It would be a War Doctor-type twist. But it would annoy me. So, yeah. And, yeah. and equally, it could end up just being someone else who was pretending. Yes. It could be the Rani. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's actually no proof that it's the Master other than... Yeah, other than... She says so. She says so. She seems to have similar personality traits. Although it would really annoy me if they say, oh, the the, the Missy's actually the Rani, Mm. because that would suggest that Doctor Who fans can't cope with more than one female Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Could could just be another Zygon. (laughs) Everyone's Zygons. It's always Zygons. It's been nothing but Zygons this whole time. That's the only problem with a body snatcher alien. It was all Zygons. We do that a lot. Beginning of the human race. Um... 
well. Uh, I think we've managed to sort of distract ourselves with um, actual Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> um, are you looking forward to the... It seems a bit uh, rude to be talking about it so early, but are you looking forward to whatever the next showrunner will bring? Yes. I, as I said earlier, I'm not uh, I'm not a huge fan of Moffat. Yeah. Um, but, I, but Chimble has written nothing but bad episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a... I think I liked the power of three a bit, although yeah. the villain did turn up and then just go, all right, I'll leave. <laughs> that was sort of that. Dinosaurs in a Spaceship is dreadful. Do you not enjoy that? No. Is, it, is that not supposed to be a, a kind of gleeful, trout and, oh, look, monsters yeah, type episode? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Okay. So... I, uh, I'm I'm optimistic yeah. about what the future will bring. Um, I think I think the the past couple of seasons, the last series of Moffat was, as I said earlier, woeful. This one so far, I've actually really yeah, enjoyed. The last yeah. series was good. It was the first one with Capaldi that was really bad. The, the, I find both series with Capaldi oh, so with far. The Zygon. There's like individual moments <laughs> notwithstanding. You know, all right, all right. As, as, a, as a unit and you know as, as a show which is being run by a showrunner yeah. I have not thought Stephen Moffat's done a great job I think Moffat I think Moffat's not done a brilliant job <laughs> overall but he has still written my favourite episodes but not when he's been in charge of the show <laughs> so this is a really um, artful way to manage to get a last minute £10,000 donation from Moffat <laughs> that, that may not happen well I mean he wrote he, he wrote the best episodes he wrote The Doctor Dances and The yeah. Child. he wrote Blink uh, he also wrote oh, Silence oh no was it Silence in the Library the def- um, Midnight in the Library yeah, Midnight yeah, in the yeah, library. yeah. Uh, but he also wrote he also wrote Heaven Sent yeah and um I'm trying to remember some of my. Uh, did he? Oh, no, he didn't write Dalek, did he? No, no that was um, Rob Sherman. Rob Sherman. I, controversial opinion. I think there should have been Dalek and then no more Dalek episodes <laughs> because that episode is brilliant and perfect and heartbreaking and it would have been a great way to stop bringing back the Daleks. That I mean, would have been clever and a real nice way to you know piss off fanboys. Uh, <laughs> I was saying to somebody last week, uh, uh, delightful, this, this won't happen because yeah. also it won't be his choice. But. Something that I would love to happen just to just really annoy anybody who gets a bit too sort of frantic on, on the Twitter is uh, that um, Bill is actually the next incarnation of the Doctor. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, that uh, makes no sense. But <laughs> I, I think uh, like, you bring up Daleks, and that actually sums up a lot of uh, like the, the, the one of my problems with Moffat um, was so in, when they did the World War Two Daleks. Yes, that episode, is dreadful. I well, I I, I need to be a two-parter. I kind of it just didn't I, need to happen. I enjoyed the episode. I, it, was, it was it was fun enough. You know, you had Churchill yep. and you had Daleks and you had World War Two and you had Spitfires in space. You know, stupid fun, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, they set up. Hey, you know what? We have oh, too many Daleks. We're going to cut it down, and we've now got like. Was it four or five? Yeah, the, it was. The, it was the, the multicolored the, the Power iPods, set. The Skittles. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they basically set up. Hey, instead of having you know thousands and millions of Daleks, which is boring, we'll yeah. have you know a small number of Daleks. And they've all got cool names. Yeah. And the next time they show up, it's not yeah. going to be the Doctor fighting trillions of Daleks. Nope. It's just going to be these four. Yes. And that went kapui. And I remember watching um, Doctor Who Confidential yeah. after that episode. And Stephen Moffat was sitting there, and I can't remember all the names, but I remember one of them was called Supreme. Yeah. Uh, and he was talking about, oh, they've all got these cool names, you know, Supreme and you know, Viaduct and whatever. You know, <laughs> what do they mean? Even I don't know yet. And I'm thinking, if you don't know Stephen Moffat, what hope have we got that there's any significance behind it? It's almost as if he's making it up as he goes along. Yeah, oh, but that... wait, maybe we should get Moffat involved in this then. <laughs> but that keeps it unpredictable. <laughs> um, I will say as well that 
I, the reason I hate the Daleks now is because they had the brilliant episode Dalek. Doomsday is very good. Every episode with the Daleks is bad. Oh. I think maybe actually no, the season finale of one actually where they had the TV station as well. Satellite. Satellite nine. Satellite, satellite five. Satellite five. That's good. Apart from that, after series two, the Daleks don't have a good episode. They're all rubbish, overblown. The Daleks stop being threatening because they just run away. And, there's, they, and they start doing weird stuff like human Daleks and mm. people with eye stalks in their head. And they're like, it's just, you've just turned them into zombies now. That's going to be the Cybermen. And they're really creepy. Well, let's speak about that as we uh, hurt towards the end. Um, <laughs> has there, here's another gauntlet thrown down question mm. for you. Has there ever been a good Cyberman episode? Yes, definitely. Age of Steel is incredible. Yeah. I love the two-parter with David Tennant. Yeah. I also really like Doomsday again. It's fantastic. Yeah. Any moment where you get reminded that the Cybermen were people. Yeah. So like, there's the one where you meet a Cyberman and she says, it's unlucky for him to see me today. Yeah. And you realise that she was going to get married the day. And she got like, that's just heartbreaking and terrifying. Yeah. And it absolutely works. Um, the first series of Peter Capaldi, when they invented an afterlife that the Cybermen and all the corpses turned into Cybermen, that was not good. That was <laughs> that was way too scary for children, I think. But, but it is a natural upgrade. It's a logical, to coin a phrase, it's a logical upgrade for that race. It kind of is, but it's badly presented. Yeah. I'm really intrigued to see them bring back uh, old school the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, with the cloth faces yes. and the CD players on their chests. It looks like something we could pull off on stage, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> and, um, you know... I don't really know anything. I haven't like I haven't been reading ahead no. or anything like that, so I don't know where they're going to go with it. But you know, sort of explain, hey, what have they been up to? And you know, I'd be interested to see what happens if they happen to meet some of the newer other dimension Cybermen. I'm really hoping there's a scene in which she goes, "Oh my god, the Cybermen!" And someone goes, "Wait, I thought they were the Cybermen." And you just go, two things can have the same name." Yes. <laughs> so we should uh, really speak about. A reminder, you're doing all of Edinburgh. You're, you're up the entire month? Yes. Yes, we're starting on the 4th of August up to the 27th. Uh, we've got two days off on the Mondays. Um, it's the second and third Monday of the run. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're back with Sweet Venues. Yeah. Uh, back in uh, uh, the Sweetgrass Market in one, which is a lovely big room. Oh, such a big room. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time we went into that room. Like, it, it's, it sounds like such a small thing. But, again, we're so used to performing, uh, even here, you know, in much smaller spaces. Sure. You know, kind of like effectively black box spaces yeah. mm. um, and our venue in Edinburgh is huge and there's so much space to run around in yes. and to do things in and it's so good because both of the wings are visible to each other so oh, we can sort of go like I'm going to go on now yeah. you know, I've, I've got this prop and we're all going like oh yeah I know what you're going to do I know it and so that's what you like in this in this space actually we've had a little bit of difficulty because we've got this sort of curved sure, background yeah, yeah. Yeah. we sort of have to make sure we know what's going on otherwise someone might burst on with a scene and someone else might burst on with a scene and then that could get a bit tricky yeah. and quite important Importantly, um, which is um, good for our audiences to know, it is that you're air conditioned. Oh. <laughs> That's a big deal. Oh, I actually, oh. I actually, in this this um, theatre lobby we're in is boiling by comparison to backstage, which I, is um, so not what we're used to. Yeah, I'm, of course. I'm not going to besmirch any any venues or anything no. that I've ever worked in before, but we've worked in a very similar space. To, I want to besmirch that venue. Do not besmirch <laughs> the venue. Um, we've worked in a very similar space before, uh, doing a different show. Um, and we that was again in Edinburgh and it was at like half past ten at night so you know relative like it was dark yes um, and that room somehow every night without fail was boiling yeah and they would offer we've got a big fan do you want us to get a big fan 
and it would just be blowing the hot air around yeah. the room. It, it was the worst because it was blowing the hot air around the room, and also we had the sound of a large fan adding as a constant soundtrack to our show. Plus, plus there was the fact that because it was at half past ten, um, the tattoo would be kicking off oh, as excellent. well. So you'd get the fireworks of, and often integrated into scenes. Yeah. Um, so you know, sweet sweet venues have been they've delightful been, to work in. They've been ridiculously good to us. And uh, they're very nice people. Yeah. Very kind, really generous. Like JD. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, might might propose to JD <laughs> at some point. Oh, I think you genuinely have to get in line. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like going back to Edinburgh this year, like we we're going back for it in a big way because yeah. last year we did it on minimal budget. We did flyers, posters, and props and costume, and we just sort of ran out and did it. This year we've invested a lot more in the show and we're hoping to make a much bigger impact. And you, what you have got, which we can talk about, is um, some beautiful flyers. You've got some gatefold flyers that open up uh, you're in the shape of a TARDIS. You've got a TARDIS that isn't the bigger on the inside. There's some beautiful artwork, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I should actually talk about as part of the Kickstarter. Because uh, <laughs> when uh, this podcast is released, we'll be in the last 48 hours, 24 hours of the, yeah, the Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that there is some artwork available for people who bid. Yeah, so you can get a, a, what we're calling a clean version of our poster. So it'll be the, the poster that's inside our flyer um, without... Uh, with the Any Sessions Doctor logo will be placed on it, but not any of the dates or times and stuff, yes. so you can enjoy the artwork. Uh, on the artwork as well, we're all dressed up as different doctors of different eras. So I've got um, William Hartnell's outfit. Uh, Charles has got a bit of Tom Baker going on. Yeah. Uh, Louise is Peter Capaldi. James is uh, Christopher Eccleston. Harry is uh, Sylvester McCoy. Uh, Matt is Colin Baker. Aren't you enjoying this list? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Hiki, who was our tech last year, who's coming on as assistant producer, and we're doing the lights. Uh, she's got some Matt Smith gear. Excellent. And then we've got Alex, who's joining us as the Radiophonic Workshop, is dressed up as an alien. Yeah. Um, an alien. An, an alien. alien. Vague, non-copyrightable alien. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is yeah, and, and of course, it is also important that the flyer, it's not designed to look like a TARDIS, it's just designed to look like a police box. Yeah, course, police yes, box. Yes, yeah, someone yes. has written Bad Wolf on. <laughs> <laughs> it has nothing to do do with although the wording is very accurate um, <laughs> that's what was written on police, yeah, boxes. On the police boxes yes yeah, yeah. Um, so and so as I say you're up um, in Edinburgh for the entire month you have a Christmas Day episode on the 25th of yes. August absolutely yes, and special episode. Win, as I say we're in the last 24 hours 48 hours yeah. of the Kickstarter where would we find you what would we type in so the best place to find, find us is our Facebook and Twitter yeah. so we've got at uh, ASD Improv for our Twitter and I believe it's ASD Improv on Facebook as well so we've put facebook.com slash ASD Improv you'll find us or just just google it just yes. google it any, <laughs> any, any suggestions doctor any suggestions doctor it probably helps you put in edinburgh yeah. or um or fringe or show because if you just put in any suggestions doctor you will get like webmd and stuff uh, like yeah this. indeed um yeah it's quite fun coming up with the name of the show because um we had friends who did because it's obviously parody so we come yes. by the parody laws we had a friend who did a, a musical based on a uh, terrible film uh it's the room the musical and oh. they called it the room the musical and then they got to meet Tommy Wiseau via a lawyer. Uh, so, <laughs> so we've been very careful to make sure the show's called Any Suggestions Doctor. So let's um, end on that sort of uh, question. Well, I've got a couple of ending questions. But um, who would... Lewis, who would terrify you if you spotted them in the audience as the show went up? Uh, Doctor Who associated... Um, Axel, writer, producer, who, who I was, mean, BBC who? lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're big hats that just say, I'm a lawyer for the BBC. I have vague daydreams of David Tennant turning up yeah. and enjoying it and then being in the show the next day. But, um, I mean, I, yeah, David Tennant's the person. I, I mean, I, would, I, I really like Stephen Moffat's writing. I'd, yeah. I'd be really starstruck if he turned up, and I know he lives in Scotland. Mm. I, um, I, uh, I do remember a couple of years ago, obviously before we were doing this show, sure. standing on the Royal Mile, uh, with, uh, with someone else flowering for a different show Stephen Moffat walked past 
And this guy was over the moon. He's like, it's Stephen Moffat. Oh, my God, I have to go and get a selfie with Stephen Moffat. And I just looked with scorn. <laughs> <laughs> As he went off and went, no. Not, you're li- not so you're not expecting a script writing career at the BBC <laughs> anytime soon? Uh, well, maybe not Maybe not for uh, the uh, maybe not for Doctor Who. No. Um, if anyone is no. listening, of course, my name is Matthew Stallworthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, I'd be, I'd be thrilled to see anyone in the yeah. audience. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's. I, I, I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but it's hard when you're in Edinburgh. It's hard to get starstruck by anyone. Yeah. Um, and of course, when when we're performing, you know, with the bright lights and everything, you very rarely see faces sure. directly. Yeah. We probably wouldn't know who we've insulted until the lights <laughs> yeah. came up. That would be the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, questions that we do always ask people in the podcast is: Is there, is there a book at the moment that you're reading, a film that you've seen recently, another podcast, a TV program that you're watching that you think that Alison should really get hold of? I'm completely obsessed with American politics. If you can get all the podcasts <laughs> about American politics yeah. and all well, of the is, there, is there anything going on with American politics at the moment? Oh, vaguely. They they're running they're running the most incredible comedy show um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very much a non-fiction person I, I listen to um, I'm, I'm, if I am going to plug anything Pod Save America is something that I yeah. definitely listen to a lot and uh, all the American satirical programs and stuff um, in terms of um, fictional stuff I've been watching recently um, I mean I've been, I've been dove, Master of None uh, I've been yeah. watching on Netflix I'm a really big fan of Veep as well hysterical yeah. show um, and those definitely influenced my comedy tracks. What about you, Charles? Have you got- um, well, regarding podcasts, yeah. most of the podcasts I listen to are related to wrestling. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> so, you know, for the sake of argument, there is the Attitude Era podcast. And if you're willing to subscribe to uh, the Wrestling Observer newsletter and listen to the millions of podcasts they put out every week, by all means, do that. Uh, Reading-wise, I haven't re- really read anything recently that's... Yeah. Actually, probably grabbed me. A friend has lent me a copy of uh, David Gemmell's Legend, okay. which I'm hoping to get into. Um, but I will heartily recommend uh, to anyone who's interested in science fiction or uh, speculative fiction, yeah. uh, China Mieville, and uh, in particular, The City in the City. It, I, I read it like yeah. once a year, yeah. um, continually, just um, melts my brain. Um, <laughs> in terms of watching TV, I mean, I've recently, uh, for, for the past six months, I've been inflicting myself with watching Designated Survivor on Netflix. <laughs> Do not watch Designated Survivor on Netflix. But you keep watching I, it, Charles. Well, it's done now. And I will, of course, start watching it when it kicks back up again. It's a, an infuriating show. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I love the premise yeah. of, uh, for what it's worth, the premise of Designated Survivor is Kiefer Sutherland of 24 fame. Uh, has because he was the designated survivor of a big terrorist attack. He's the president. Uh, he doesn't want to be the president. Nope. He's not qualified to be the president. It's oddly familiar. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's the president, and all of the stuff about Kiefer Sutherland trying to be the president and trying to sort of negotiate uh, political minefields—that's all really interesting. And then we cut to the conspiracy theory nonsense. That is just. Woeful. But I, I've not seen an episode of Designated Survivor yet, but this whole idea of most of the line of who could be president being killed off, yeah. so the last one on the list becomes the president, yeah. it just seems like the American president version of King Ralph. <laughs> it's, oh, like I remember, I remember like when I first saw it pop up on Netflix, sort of like recommended for you, and I thought, yeah. Oh, it's Kiefer Sutherland, and he's going to be the president. Well, he's he's killed enough of them in 24, yes. so, you know, <laughs> to see how he does. Can and he play the 24 drinking game? Does, does he do enough things where he will 
sniff respectively and look down <laughs> and just say he, just, he never says damn it I guess uh, I, I don't think he says it with quite the same ferocity okay. as in 24 like the, the moment I watched the first couple of episodes I was like oh this is broadly good but the moment I started to go oh this conspiracy theory stuff is going to get bad was when uh, one of the main main characters later on um, she, she's fine she's like oh hang on we thought the bomb was this but I find this evidence that the bomb is this and she goes to the head of the FBI and is like do you think we should tell the president and he goes no no, let's <laughs> let's not tell him that. And needless to say, this becomes a massive disaster. Yes. I mean, and it's just one it's it's just one thing after another of someone going, should we do something about this now? I mean, right now the head of the FBI is not telling the president things. That is absolutely <laughs> what is going on right now. So, <laughs> Charles, um, your, your your take on on this program is at least at best ambiguous. <laughs> should we watch it or should we not watch it? <laughs> do. Do not watch Designated Survivor because if you do, you've taken the bullet for us. You will end up like me, and you will be sitting here infuriated at the end of its twenty-one episode run, which is also baffling. Yeah, um, and you will be. You think it'd be twenty-four? Well, yeah. <laughs> and you'll be sitting here waiting for it to come back around in October, so you can continue to get infuriated. Don't, don't. So House of Cards is a much better. Oh, I'm looking forward to the return of oh, House of Cards. Two series of House of Cards are great. Um, <laughs> Uh, also, I should just plug this actually while I'm here. Um, uh, with some of the people involved in any suggestions, doctrine, some people outside of it, I am working on my own podcast, which yeah. is a series of uh, monologues that people have written. So, oh, sort awesome. of radio drama type stuff. Um, not entirely sure when it's going to be launching yet, but it's called um, Presented in Mono. And Presented the, in Mono. Presented in Mono. And the idea is, is that each each episode is a different monologue from a completely different perspective. And the only criteria for writing for it was your idea has to be interesting. So um, this should be hopefully out before the end of the year. I, I thought it'd be out by April, and that's not happened. So is, is, are these monologues uh, fiction, or are they memoir, or does it not matter? Uh, they are fiction. Yeah. Uh, so they come from. So just an example, we've got one which is a memoir of an actor who might have done something a bit terrible. Yeah. Uh, we've got one from the perspective of a guide dog. Um, we've got one uh, from the perspective of a merchant adventurer in a yeah. tavern. So they're all they're, they're sort of broad variety, generally comic. Um, and uh, that involves a lot of people involved in the sessions, Doctor. So myself, Louise, Harry uh, have all been involved. So uh, we'd write this, uh, one would write this for you and then you as the actors would record them. You'd be the voice. Yeah, right now we've got five episodes all lined up and we're trying to, trying to get the timing to record them uh, and then see where it goes. Hopefully yeah. it'll go well. So. Yeah, excellent. And so... Um, the other question that we tend to ask is uh, where do you hang out to be creative? What is there a coffee shop or whatever in Brighton that you hang out to be creative? Because you're not Brighton boys, you're, mm. you're York. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess the question goes both ways. Um, have you discovered anywhere in Brighton yet in your flowering shading? Or um, is there somewhere in York that you tend to hang out? I mean, for York, the place we mostly hang out to be creative is the University of York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we, um, we all come from York. We're all York alumni. Yeah. Uh, all alumni of the Shambles Improv Troupe. And um, we still meet up in bars there. Yeah. It's very nice, cheap bars. Cheap. It's a good thing um, about student bars. <laughs> Especially when you're not a student and aren't using them that much. Yeah. And we sort of we book out rehearsal space. So that's probably the centre of our creative endeavours yeah. is probably there. I, I mean, in Brighton, we've I think we've been to like... Two places. <laughs> Went to the JB's American Diner near here for oh, yes. shakes. Um, Preston Park train station is a great place to wait for 50 <laughs> minutes for a train yep. that's late. Yeah, there's no shade there either. That's fun, <laughs> isn't it? And it advertises a cafe that does not exist. <laughs> There's, no. there's a sign that says the best coffee and it's, there's an arrow and no matter how far you walk <laughs> in the direction of that arrow nothing 
that's a, that, that's a, that's a beautiful metaphor. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, JB's American Diner does have uh, the, the, the most lovely shakes at five pound a pop. Uh, it's so big are the shakes that you actually have to have them there because if you have them take away you won't actually have the entire shake. No, um, they give you the rest in like an extra scoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's $5 shake. Scoop, <laughs> sc- yeah, uh, who would have thought? Um, and the other question we tend to ask is, um, have you ever in your life, when you maybe when you were younger, did you come up with an idea, like for an invention or a, um, that fantastic movie or book uh, franchise that somebody else got to before you did? I came up with an idea that yes. I thought was potentially gold and I couldn't figure out what format I would do it in, or indeed how I would even get it out. Yeah. And the basic gist of the idea was that everyone, like a large proportion of the Earth's population has just vanished. And, you know, it's, it basically would be following these people trying to figure out what's happened. Yeah. And, and sort of this, this subculture ruling elite would rise up. Uh, and you would it would turn out that it was actually the Rapture, and oh. that is now a TV show on HBO um, <laughs> called The Leftovers that I refuse to watch out of spite. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I do I do stand up comedy as well. I, I do a character called Stanley Brooks, but I used to do stand up as myself, and yeah. I came up with a stand up routine, which was all about the private browsing feature on Internet Explorer, because yeah. I found the adverts for that hilarious. Because it's a group of men sat around going, "Yeah, you, you can buy gifts for your wife using it. That's what this is for. It's so they don't know you've been buying lovely flowers for them." Um, and then I watched live, I think it was Michael McIntyre's Roadshow, and he did yeah. exactly the routine I'd written in my head. And I was like, well, I know it was good, yes. but now I can't ever use no. it. <laughs> yeah, I think when an advert like that knows exactly what it's doing, <laughs> yes. um, then we, we, we have to surrender to it, really. Uh, as indeed, um, as is appropriate for um, your show and this podcast, time does march on. Mm. Uh, so we're just going to repeat ourselves for a couple of points. Uh, and dates and Kickstarter details. So you sure. are, um, well, you're here in Brighton. We shouldn't say that as well. You're still in Brighton for a couple of dates. Yes, so we are in Brighton uh, until the 28th. Uh, we're doing a show 6 p.m. every day until then. Um, this is despite what it says on the back of our flyer, which is the 27th. I uh, went through <laughs> so many people and we didn't spot that. Um, so we're here till the 28th. You always get an editor. <laughs> yes, we're here till the 28th. Um, if you have a participant pass, you can get discount tickets. If you're a family, you can get discount tickets. Um, after that, if you would like to buy artwork for our show, you can get badges, artwork. There's also exclusive artwork, which we haven't yeah. got drawn up yet, but that, that's going to look amazing because I've seen some prototypes on that. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that you can, If you just Google any suggestions, Dr. Kickstarter, you should find the Kickstarter there. That closes on Monday the 29th at about 5 p.m. Yeah. So hopefully this will be out. Um, if not, you can come see us in Edinburgh. We are at Sweetgrass Market. We're there from the 4th to the 27th, not Monday the 14th or 21st. Uh, again, discounts available for families on that, and that will be on at 4 p.m. every day otherwise. Fantastic. I don't know how he does all that, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I spend so much time looking at these details. <laughs> but apparently, according to the back of your flyer, not, not quite long enough. enough. Not, no. So, Lewis, mm. Charles, thank you so much. Uh, we saw your show today. Any suggestions, Doctor? It was a fantastic, a, a lovely show. Um, pleasure to see, and looking forward to seeing you again in Edinburgh. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donnelly. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore iron acts. On Facebook, ironclad cast iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.
Now, Cast Iron uh, Theatre Podcast. And I suppose without forever. Where are you, Andrew? What am I actually trying to say? 